up, everything? Thank you for joining us for this very special intercontinental episode. At least I think it's intercontinental. I don't know. Hawaii is a mysterious place. All I do know is that I love being in continent and Ian loves being in paradise when all hell breaks loose for the St. Louis Blues. So, will spending his days in the Aloha State make the bitter pill of two playoff losses easier to swallow? We'll find out ahead. So let's get started and let's go huma huma nuka nuka up what can I say except you're welcome for the tides, the sun, the sky. Hey, it's okay, it's okay, you're welcome. I'm just an ordinary demiguy. Hey, what has two thumbs and pulled up the sky? When you were waddling, yay, hide this guy. When the nights got cold, who stole you fire from down below? <laughs> Looking at him, yo. Oh, also I last. So the sun, you're welcome to stretch your days and bring you fun. Also, I harness the breeze. You're welcome to fill your sails and shake your trees. So what can I say except you're welcome? Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys, One Cup podcast. It is Wednesday, Thursday. I do even remember days anymore. <laughs> I've been awake at midnight every day this week because of this stupid team. So it's like all blends together at some point. Anyway, it's Thursday, May 20th. And uh, this is the Two Guys, One Cup podcast. I already said that. We are both now, Ian, fully vaccinated, except I'm not fully, fully vaccinated because it hasn't been two weeks. It's been one day, but still, uh, you know, other than feeling invincible and uh, being super powered, it's not been a very good week for Blues fans, but it's been a pretty good week for you because you're not in St. Louis. How are you doing in uh, the beautiful, whatever, the island state, I'm going to guess? Is that? A- I'm yeah. sure that's what they call it. <laughs> right? I mean, it's got the a rainbow state. Oh, the you rainbow, got a rainbow state. On- yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I was looking for. And the Aloha Maybe. state, apparently. The I, that, that seemed like, that seemed too easy. <laughs> too on the nose, yeah. But anyway, yeah. how's Hawaii? It's it's very nice. It's um, it's always the same every day. You know, it's <laughs> literally like seventy eight degrees, eighty two degrees inland, and then it rains a little bit, and it doesn't rain anymore, and then it's fine again. Um, it's been very nice. It's been very relaxing. Um, you know, it's been nice to watch the Blues uh, at like four in the afternoon here. <laughs> And then when they lose at seven, I can then, you know, have an evening and go drink or go relax and do whatever rather than, you know, go to bed at midnight furious um, yeah, as very, I would normally do. Very similar to my experience, except I can't go to bed right after a blues game. So I go to bed at like 2 a.m. furious. <laughs> but, you know, other than that, uh, yeah. So it's funny to me, this is not hockey related, but it's just funny to me to think about going to, Hawaii as like not a vacation like I know that you are on vacation from work technically but that's not like you're actually seeing people and do and doing things not just touristy things and it's mm-hmm. like kind of cool I don't know I mean it's not it is, just it's not just a state for tourism there are people that live there but it just feels like cool to have a reason to go there other than just to go to Hawaii yeah uh, I've been kind of using about that to people here too it's kind of like you look around and there's a lot of, there's a lot of traffic and because people are driving to work and I'm like wow you can live in Hawaii and like go to a job and come home and be like ah bills pain in the ass yeah. right and like but you're also in Hawaii <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the Pacific Ocean I think that's crazy too sometimes is that it's just this remote island chain like in the middle of the ocean but there's yeah. also McDonald's here <laughs> that's crazy to think about that is weird it's like so far from the coast too and I know wow. to me, California is like in my in my broken brain. I should like be able to almost see the coast of California. <laughs> it's like, as I'm like close that's the closest Florida thing. is to Cuba or whatever. It's yeah, like, I'm like right, that's it, right over there. Like, <laughs> no, not even. That's uh, that's a that's a good point. I feel that same way when I think about it. Um, it's not been paradise living and watching this team this week. I would say that. I think we can agree on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked about the game on um, 
Monday, not Monday, yes, the Monday game on Monday. Um, a little bit, but did you have any thoughts? I mean, the one thing that you haven't really gotten to talk about is Perron being out, uh, which some fans believe would turn the entire series if he was playing. Uh, how do you feel about uh, Perron's absence from the team and Tarasenko's return? Yeah, I mean, they, you know, Perron's absence is obviously, sadly and weirdly, a bigger thing than Tarasenko returning, which you would never think would be the case. But uh, here we are. No, I mean, yeah, David Perron being out of the lineup obviously matters. The guy was over a point per game uh, this season on, like, pace for, uh, I mean, I guess technically if you prorate the season, it's his best career season. You know, it's his career season. Um, but so you obviously miss that. That's your top score, your top point getter. Um, but at the same time, I, I just, I can't quite get behind the fact or like people saying, oh, well, if we had David Perron, this is a whole different series. I'm like, he's not a Nathan McKinnon um, game changer. Not that a lot of people are Nathan McKinnon, but, you know, he's just not the type of player that's completely reinvigorating your lineup when he's when he's there. He makes a big difference. Um, they miss him on the power play. But at the same time, I think maybe, you know, maybe an extra goal is scored here or there possibly. And I guess that could, you know, end up tying up a game here and there because I don't think what we haven't led yet. So it matters. Um, I just don't think it matters quite as much as some people are, are kind of giving it credit for. Tarasenko, on the other hand, coming back, great to see him back. Um, completely ineffective <laughs> thus far. Um, yeah. And that's something we can kind like, of touch on. He looked hot for like the first literally like two or three shifts mm-hmm. of his um, game, of his first game back, of, of Monday's game, but then like it all fell apart. Yeah, I was like, that's something we can touch on later a little bit, but it's like you you just need you need at this point almost any player on the blues to really step up. And like with our cup run, it was always different players at different times. Um and right now it's like we we just don't have those waves. Uh you don't we have threats that are no longer threats, and you just have folks that are neutralized and just kind of you you kind of come up with like lame duck, right? When you don't have that second wave that can answer um, offensively. And so it's, he's the one of those players that's like, Hey, if, you know, Ryan O'Reilly's not scoring or we don't, don't have David Perron out. I know he just came back, but it's like, you look at Tarasenko and you say, okay, so now it's your time to shine. And then it's kind of like, you only get so, so many chances, obviously in like a seven game series and you just came back from injury, but it's like, you need, you need something quick. You need something soon. Um, you kind of have to hope that you see something in game three because I mean, game four, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but probably too late. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, and that's obviously something we can, I'm sure we'll talk about more in the off season, but like the long-term questions about Tarasenko aren't getting answered before the end of this season, whether it is on, um, whenever in Sunday when game four is or Tuesday when game five, is. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just rough to think about him not ever being the player that he was once upon a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, hopefully he gets that chance to come back next season and, and be that player, but it sucks to see him struggling this much for sure. And, and I really don't like seeing some people who are like putting it on him. Like it's an issue of, of um, commitment or effort or something like that. Cause I really don't think that's what we're seeing. I think we're just seeing a guy that has been sidelined for way too long and, you know, probably is still a little gun shy and, and all those sorts of things and just has doesn't have the ability right now to be the same player he once was. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, like you said, it is kind of disheartening just because it's those players that you know, you know what he was capable of. It's just a matter of, like you said, if he, if he is still capable of that. 
Yeah, um, for sure. So that was the uh, those were the kind of pregame narratives for game one. I talked about the goals and stuff individually. Um, Bennington made a few incredible saves. Bennington really was the star of this show, even though it ended up four to one. Um, it was the only thing that made this game remotely relevant or competitive. Uh, the Blues finish being outshot 50 to 23. Uh, the Avs have 71% of the high danger chances at all strengths and 4.6 to 1.6 expected goals. Um, there were some people after this game, and I, I'm really not trying to slog anybody, but there were some people after this game who, who were staying upbeat and staying positive and and saying that, you know, they showed some fight at the end, which literally they did. Bennington tried to charge a Grubauer and all that sort of stuff that gets him clowned around the NHL. But did you see the reasons for optimism after this one? I know you probably didn't watch every minute of it, and who could blame you, but uh, how did you feel after this game? I mean, it wasn't good, but I think my, my only optimistic takeaway really was like, okay, well, this was terrible. I can't imagine that the next game is this bad. <laughs> like that's pretty, that's pretty, uh, pretty terrible take in terms of where I'm pulling my optimism from, but it was just like, okay, they allowed 50 shots. They, you know, got a shot two to one. Um, you know, nobody looked good to me, honestly. Like I think, you had Falk, maybe, who I thought actually had a pretty decent game from what I saw. Uh, Bennington, I think, was the only player out there that was was doing his job or, or more than that. And I just thought, okay, they with Craig Ruby at the helm and him just being pissed and angry, they, they can't come out and have a worse defensive performance. Mm -hmm. And I guess I was right because they didn't have a worse defensive performance um but they're unfortunately their defensive performance is so bad in game one that really anything was an improvement <laughs> and and so i mean game two they looked they looked better but it's still obviously only good enough um but yeah i didn't i mean it was one game my optimism really stemmed from that and the fact that i could say well you know this team not necessarily this team but the blues lost to boston uh, game one in 2019, they lost um, game one to San Jose that same that same uh, year. And it was like, okay, I've cooled a little bit in terms of how scared I get after losing the first game. I used to be really frightened. Now I'm like, okay, you can come back from this. Um, but that was kind of really it. I mean, I just didn't see the Blues didn't really turn it on really at any point in that game. I mean, not for longer than like maybe a shift or two. And so it just didn't feel like they had worked any momentum to carry over in the game too. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a good way to put it. And then entering game two, they had this whole weird COVID situation that I still don't know if anybody really fully understands. Uh, we got the cryptic statement from Doug Armstrong that said, we have discovered discrepancies in COVID test results relating to multiple players. We have been in touch with and are working with the league to address these discrepancies with additional testing and expect to have further information later today. Uh, and then a statement a few hours later came out from the NHL and it said, this morning we became aware of certain test results involving multiple players on two clubs, the St. Louis Blues and the Vegas Golden Knights that had indicated positive results for the COVID-19 virus. Because those reports results uh, reported results emanated from the same laboratory and due to other peculiarities and similarities as among the test results themselves an investigation was initiated into the possibility that the initial test results reported may have been an error all affected players were immediately isolated and further testing was done involving collected samples those tests have returned uniformly negative uh results therefore confirming that the initial reported test results were an error as a result all affected players will be eligible to play in their team's game so ultimately i don't think anything really happened i think people read the initial results and thought um that maybe peron was involved and then um then people freaked out because it sounded like we were maybe going to have to play a game without half our team on fake test results, but then basically it just became a nothing burger, but it was certainly an interesting afternoon. Uh, were you tracking all that or did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it was, it was weird because um, 
initially that's why I thought I was like, oh, does this have to do with Peron too? But it seemed like it was all just that day of stuff. And I know it had a lot of fans in a tizzy as far as like, oh, you know, how can we trust any results now? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they seem to have had everything under control up to this point. So um, I don't know. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people were taking a really harsh critical view of this for the NHL. And normally I think I would too, because of course the NHL as it's head up its own butt, but I was like, you know, this just seems like this seems like something that happened. And in a era of COVID where, where stuff just, stuff just happens. Um, this seemed like that kind of fit the bill, I guess. I don't know. Be, I think maybe because nothing really came of it. I was just sort of like, eh, it's a story and it's interesting, but like no reason, no reason to be all worked up about it. Like some folks were, um, obviously yeah, I would have been a lot happier <laughs> somehow Peron got, looped into this whole mess um, and was able to play, but it obviously didn't work out that way. Yeah. And I think to the NHL's credit, which is not a sentence or a preposition, but, <laughs> yeah. very often, but Save that audio. Uh, to the NHL's credit, I think they've handled COVID as well or better than just about any other major sports organization. I mean, they had no cases in the bubble last year. Um, and they got run over by the Vegas situation this year or the Vancouver situation this year. And there were a couple other little incidents, but like overall, as well as you could hope for a league, especially a league that doesn't have the resources that say the NFL has, or, uh, well, any of the other major American sports leagues and still manage to more or less keep up with it. I think they deserve a little bit more faith in that particular department, certainly not overall uh, than maybe they were given yesterday. So, and you know, they got on it and they solved it and it got resolved and nothing came of it. So, you know, it seems to me like we can kind of chalk that one up to a sort of a strange occurrence, but the blues Mm -hmm. entered this game coming off of all that weirdness and coming off of the last game where they just didn't really show up. And it was absolutely critical that the blues had a strong start in game two. So naturally, uh, Unistanskoy scored one, uh, 35 seconds. in. this was pretty much rinse, rinse, wash, repeat this game. Um, and that shots from distance were getting through a crowded screen in front of Bennington and scoring I don't know that he saw a single puck that became a goal in this one um but you know the Nathan McKinnon goal later in the period was the same thing I mean his was more his own incredible skill um but there's traffic there was traffic in front there was traffic in front of the later Donskoy goal and then uh, McKinnon's fourth goal that seemed like the dagger. I mean, I, I don't even see the point of breaking those down a lot because mm-hmm. just it just was what it was. And there was traffic that the Blues couldn't clear out of the way, which is a bit strange because you would think that the one thing that the Blues have on the avalanche defense is size. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I saw some people saying, well, we need to get bigger in the offseason. It's like not to keep up with the avalanche. We don't. Are you freaking out of your mind? Like, <laughs> I don't the game has changed and you can't you can't body check a defense made of Sam Gerard and Kale McCarr and Bowen Byram and Devin Taves into oblivion. It's just not going to work. They're just going to skate around you and make you look foolish. Um, so to me, it's just at the, at the core of all of this is the reality that the abs are a very, 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 very good team, not just a pretty good team, but like a, as about as well built a team as you could conceive of in the cap era. Um, and the blues aren't that, and they're not, I'm not sure that they're even a good team, but they're certainly not a very, very, very great team. And I don't have a lot of problem with that just kind of being the story of this series. Um, but one man who did have a problem with it being the story of the series uh, <laughs> is Nazem Kadri because uh, this guy is a player that I, I like and I want to cheer for. Um, mm-hmm. And during the regular season, I, you know, I think he gets into some scuffles after the whistle and stuff, but I don't know that he's had any any major discipline issues but this is i think the fourth time he's 
going to have been suspended in the playoffs and he will not be in this series again. Um, that he got offered a, a hearing in-person hearing by the league, which means that they're going for a five plus game suspension. So, you know, even if it goes to seven games, that would mean he wouldn't be involved at any point. Uh, he was suspended in 2019 for uh, a cross check. I want to say on DeBrusque um, that happened. I want to say in game two when he got suspended for the rest of the series. So Mm-hmm. He's done this a lot. Um, it's a, It was actually probably the chief factor in his being traded out of Toronto because um, he was really beloved there, but he just couldn't stop this kind of vice that he has. And this was, you know, as much as we poured on Tom Wilson last year, and I don't, or last couple of weeks ago and last year and the year before that, <laughs> and many, many other times. I don't know why I'm clarifying, but as much as we poured on him, this is such a different level of thing in terms of, of the violence and the gratuitousness of it and the clear intentionality of it. Um, just a guy that left, you know, left his feet and drove his elbow through Justin Fox Temple. And, you know, you can talk all you want about well, maybe he was trying to go for a shoulder-to-shoulder hit. First of all, I don't see evidence of that in the replay. But even if he was, when you come in from that angle with that kind of speed and you don't and you aim high, which he was doing, this is going to always be a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw that really horrifying moment there where Falk was just lights out on the ice uh you know you could tell he was just completely unconscious and unaware of where he was um he fortunately recovered enough to skate off the ice on his own power but there's no telling if he'll be involved in the rest of the series i would tend to lean towards his not being um just as you know i wouldn't want to rush him back after that if he's not 100 percent good to go uh <sighs> What do you think about all this? Uh, you know, the league's going to do the right thing, it sounds like, but how did you feel about this play and, and the whole the whole circumstances surrounding it? Yeah, I mean, the one nice thing is that, and the only nice thing is that it seems like most people, uh, even, you know, even fans of the Avs can pretty much agree that it was just a terrible hit and that Kadri's going to get the suspension and justifiably so. Um, like you said, and that the NHL appears to be to be following through with that, because um, yeah, he'll be getting at least five games with that in-person hearing and everything. So that's good, but man, it's just you get guys like this, and they the same thing they talk about with Tom Wilson, and they are they are obviously two different players in the plays over these last two weeks with you know Tom Wilson and this one with Kadri are obviously different, but you get these guys that play with an edge. Um, which is the nice, the nice way of saying things when you talk to their teammates, like, you know, as he kind of replaces with an edge and he's, he's rides the line and stuff. And, you know, we, we want that out of them and everything like that. I'm like, that's fine, but you, you can't use, you can't use someone playing with an edge as a defense, right? Like yeah. you can't say, well, they just play with an edge and it's like, that's fine. But if you're on the edge, sometimes you're going to fall off and onto the bad side of the yeah. edge that that's literally just happens to um, me it's like these are the the only guys in the league that don't play with an edge because they don't stop they keep yeah going exactly over the edge, you know so well, it's that's like, the thing is like if, if i'm thinking and i can't say i watch i watch like every ottawa senators game if i'm thinking of someone off the top of my head that plays with an edge but hasn't done like real nasty stuff at least at least not yet in their young career i think of like a brady kachuk or something like mm-hmm. see that dude's tough He's in your face. You're annoyed. You're pissed, man. He hit like your star player really hard, blah, blah, blah. But he's not taking like head liberties. He's not going after the whistle and like shoving your, your face into the ice and stuff. Again, as far as I know. But like, but there's, and I'm sure there's like numerous other um, players like that, like you said, that are like, they're playing on the edge. You, they're physical. They're in your face. You don't want to play against them, but they're not um, consistently. And I'm going to say consistently because it happens in multiple times. 
with Kadri and, and with someone like Wilson where they just go over and then they kind of, especially Kadri, I, like you said, I'm with you. I, I like Nazim Kadri. I want to root for him, but I do feel like every time he lays one of these hits, he's always looking around like a dude in the headlights. Like what? I don't even know what just happened. I swear it's like he has amnesia. He's like, what happened? I don't understand. And I'm like, dude, turn around. Like, on the ice uh he'll yeah. be in the box like what are you talking about you guys and i'm like oh come on man come on now um but yeah i mean it was just oh. i mean we just talked about before we started recording i was looking at the replay and you see a little scuffle with whoever it is uh another abs player and blues player with the puck and i was thinking man that's not much of anything it's a little physical whoever the blues player was fell down that's you know no big deal and then you realize that that's not justin puck yet and you're like uh-oh <laughs> and then you see the hit and you're like oh, it's just I mean, you've unfortunately over the course of, you know, the last 10 years plus whatever, you've seen this hit like a billion times. You see it, yeah. you see it more often than you'd like, but you've seen it and you know what it is. It's a guy coming right across the ice. Player has his head down, which I think is always kind of a funny defense for this too. Well, the player had his head down. Have you seen how people skate? Like that's that's how that's how you skate. I've never seen someone stand up straight and like with the puck skating up right like you're always hunched over man um you have the puck you're, you're playing with your stick and so i just always find it funny when they're like well he had his head down i'm like where was his head supposed to be and like it's not like nazim kadri doesn't know how people play hockey um it's just yeah it's i don't know i guess what you're thinking at that point is i'm trying to lay a big a big hit get the crowd going get the team going and everything but i just don't know what you're thinking going into that because it's like you just you just don't need it you don't need it and i think it's it's a big lightning rod and sticking point for blues fans as it kind of should be because it's one of your better players this year is getting hurt and you don't want to see any player on your team get hurt but it's also a thing to talk about um unfortunately that's not about the blues losing right (laughs) like if i'm being honest it's just kind of like we can talk about this because it gives us kind of a, a feeling of okay, we can rally around this almost. We want to, you know, we want to play well for, for Falk who's hurt and we want to get back at the abs. And that's, that's um, a positive, a silver lining of this kind of really shitty situation. But at the same time, it's like, um, there's not much else to talk about positively with, with the blues at this point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. This becomes the narrative of the game. And I saw, I saw some sort of headline. I think it was the athletic where it was like Nazem Kadri's actions took away from what should have been a story about a dominant as performance. And that's like, I don't think it ironically, this wasn't as dominant as the last one. It was a much closer mm-hmm. game. Um, but then this, this hit becomes the story. And the nice thing is here, like there's, I haven't seen, I'm sure there are people and there are always people that are going to be like, well, the boys should have stuck up for more. Oh yeah. I saw that. Which is so, I just, how, <laughs> I just don't know how you get to that Neanderthal level of thinking. It's like, why does that even enter your mind as a thing, you know, but yeah. whatever, whatever the case. Well, well, I just thought people like to, to bring it to like back to some of the game. It's like, I saw people, talking about like yeah you know game three abs players better have their heads up because like blues need to go after them and i was like the blues want it like what is this game anymore or this series do you want to win the series or or is it just punish the abs because really you can can try to do both but i think we've kind of seen um especially in game one that like this this whole physical brutish we're going to go out there and wear this team down it's like not i mean it's only been two games but it does not appear to be working i know some folks have said well start have started to slow down at the end of game two you know blues are kind of laying into them a little bit more and i was like yeah i get like i kind of see it but i just don't know if that's the strategy anymore um that's the strategy that worked in 2019 because we had that team uh you had just bigger defensemen you had more physical players you just had like a full buy-in on that system and the systems kind of remain the same more or less and we just have different folks here and it's not it's not working and I gotta say I don't know I think the Blues team of 2019 beats this Avs team but I don't know if it's as easy as someone would think because we never played um, a team like the Avs right like in our run like there's we I'm not saying that 
abs back then we're going to beat the 2019 blues or anything but like do you know what i mean like the the jets and the stars and the sharks and even boston none of those teams were necessarily like crazy fast right like Mm -hmm. maybe the stars a little bit but like they were all kind of almost sort of the blues and the blues kind of just did it better every time but and we think and we've talked about this before but the abs are not the blues the abs play a different style than the blues do and it then it beats the blues style at least in, in this case or with the personnel the blues have now and yeah. i don't think i think maybe wearing them down works if you meet them later right mm-hmm. if you meet them in the third round and they're already banged up and you're like you know what? we're just gonna wear right through them i think that's what basically happened to the sharks in 2019 Sharks look good, but they were already in the third round with us. And we were like, all right, we're just going to beat the hell out of you. And we did. And they just fell apart. Um, and maybe you can do that to the abs in later rounds. But right now, they're pretty fresh. And I think the, you, you've seen it um, last year and even in 2019, too. The, the abs are really good in the early rounds. Like, we're pretty much Arizona from last year, I think. Like, yeah, Arizona beat Nashville in the play-ins. They're here. They're playing the Avs, and the Avs just kind of ran right over them. Um, and to kind of to, – to a bigger point, too, to what we were talking about earlier, I think that's just kind of – you kind of have to accept at a certain point that the Blues just aren't as good as, A, they used to be, and B, the, the Avs right now. And that's okay. Like, I really, like you're not going to win the Cup every year. Every year, you're not going to be – the cup contender either um and i i wish we'd we'd see a little more fight i think we will i think that i don't think it's going to be a sweep i think it's gonna be a gentleman's sweep i think we get one game i really do i think they get angry and pissed enough and bennington has a real another really good game and you know we win we win um you know four three or something like that i think they have they've got at least a win in them but at the end of the day i just don't see this being an overly competitive series obviously things can change i'll always think of 2019 i'll always think anything's possible but it's just it, they're they're just constructed differently they just play differently and we don't quite have the answer for that so thank you for coming to my ted talk <laughs> <laughs> no that was really good and i think you know i think we both said coming into the series that we preferred the Avs to the Gold Knights because we thought that we could outmatch them with playing style, you know, with with the type of Mm -hmm. game we played. Um, And I don't necessarily think that was wrong. Um, I don't think we've played our best game in this series at any point. And Mm -hmm. on top of that, I don't know that we'd be doing any better against the Vegas Gold Knights. But... um, Oh, baby, yeah. But with all of that said, I still think I just like you said, we're not we're not as good as these teams, and I don't have any trouble saying that. Let me just let me put the little punctuation mark on the rest of this game in case anything comes up that we want to um, talk about. And there is actually one perfect, perfect little encapsulation of, of what we're talking about here that I want to touch on. But Shin uh, scored on the five-minute major against Kadri. That was the only goal we can muster. And I think that's, you know, if, we, if we're looking back at this series, um, especially if it's not just a, an abs sweep, I think we can sort of look at that as like the one opportunity the Blues had to, to take the wheel and, 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 you know, take the knife and jam it into their eye and through their, into their brain or whatever and kill them. Um, is if they found a way, if they found a way to score multiple goals on that power play, tie it up, or even take the lead, and then find a way to force the game winner, uh, keep the abs out of it, take one that you didn't deserve to take in um, Colorado because of Cadre's misconduct, and then um, going from there into St. Louis with a little momentum. I think that's that's your kind of path uh, back into the series. But as it looks right now, we couldn't even answer the bell when uh Kadri took one of our best players out our, our power play looked boring it was kept to the outside on the perimeter a lot of stuff like that um McKinnon scored and that looked like the dagger but Hoffman scored 15 seconds later which was exciting but ultimately meeting was uh because Saad and 
Um, I think McKinnon scored two empty netters to make it six to three. But there was this play late in the period uh, where two abs collapsed behind the Blues net and Shin kind of skated up the side uh, with the rush. So at this point, it's already five on three automatically, right? Because Saad and somebody else are behind the Blues net. Um, and then uh, Shin is up with the puck exiting our zone. And Mikola somehow ends up with the puck and is the one crashing the net and trying to get the scoring opportunity. And to me, maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but this was just such a perfect encapsulation of where the Blues are, are sort of stuck right now. They don't have a transition game. Shin, at least not with some personnel on the ice. I think if that had been Kyrou Thomas and Hoffman or Kyrou Thomas and, and Barbashev, we saw a similar play um, in game one that did become a goal. But in this situation, um, you know, Shin doesn't have speed. He doesn't have urgency. I don't know how long he's been on the ice, so maybe he was gas. But, um, you know, it it doesn't look like they're creating anything. And even though they're ahead of the players, they don't really get a good scoring opportunity because Nico Mikola, who's, you know, probably your least intimidating scorer, uh, is the guy that somehow ends up with the puck crashing the net. And, you know, he gets a shot on Grubauer, but nothing comes of it because it's Nico Mikola, you know, <laughs> with, with due respect. I think he offers a lot, but it's certainly not scoring goals for men close. Um, and that was just, if you can't, first of all, if you can't capitalize on opportunities like that, like you have to play a perfect game to beat the Avalanche. Um that's why they're so good. You know, they have to be off a step and you have to just play mistake-free hockey. But even beside that point, like it just seemed to me like that's what's wrong with this team now is that they don't, they're just kind of a Frankenstein that doesn't have an identity, I guess is the Mm -hmm. word I look for. Uh, you know, this ended up being more to the Blues' favor in some ways. They had um, slightly fewer expected goals, but more high danger chances. Um, they won the Corsi four battle at all strengths by a bit and lost it at five on five. Obviously, the major uh, played a big role there, but like, and shots ended up even at 35. But like, to me, this is a team that whatever whatever made them so good in 2019 and it was a little bit of magic for sure it was a lot of magic and it was a new coach and it was the victory song and if you want to throw the Samford Bortuzzo fight in there sure whatever um but like there were still players on the ice that did cohesive things they knew what each other were doing they had a lot of chemistry they played well together obviously the most chemistry we have on any line right now is Perron and O'Reilly and and they can't play together so that's a struggle but um Mm -hmm. it's still a team that has like to me kind of stuck halfway between eras of the NHL you've got a lot of young smaller speedier creative guys like Krug and Thomas and Kairou um, and, you know, even, even Perron, even though he's not young and, you know, not the, the fastest player in the world, he's more of a skill, you know, avoid contact sort of guy. And then you've got the Schwartzes and the Tarasenkos and the Bortuzos and Bozak and those guys that are just more of a physical, like kind of smash mouth block shooting lanes get rebounds that sort of thing and so we don't have one cohesive playing style then on top of that uh and i know i rant on this a lot but to me this baruby philosophy of of taking the ideal shot rather than pouring shots on net is moronic especially because we don't have the personnel to do that if the team was all ryan o'reilly's and vladimir tarasenko's who were able to knock bodies around up front and make or uh, sorry i'm actually the opposite of that if the team was all jordan kairos um you know who can skate around people and make perfect shooting chances out of nothing then that would be great and we could do that style but 
we need the guys who are knocking bodies around up front and getting rebounds and getting to the dirty area to coin a phrase that no one ever has ever used before in hockey anywhere. Um, <laughs> and I, I just, it all kind of comes down to coaching to me and I'm not as fired up as I was about this last night, but just like, I don't know what Craig Berube is doing here anymore. He was a motivational guy. The team doesn't look motivated. The strategy isn't good. We're not stopping them defensively in any meaningful way, nor are we creating offense in any meaningful way. And I think the roster needs to change a lot too, but I, to me, it's kind of like, are you going to commit to Craig Berube long-term? Because if you are, then the team needs to change towards his play style which means trading guys like Vince Dunn, um, you know, and bringing in guys like Jamie Alexiak, who I know a lot of people want in the Blues Twitter fan base because Blues Twitter is stuck in 2014. But like, um, you know, and that's fine. That's one way you can go. But I do think you need to go that way, like decisively, if you want to do that. But to me, it really seems like Doug Armstrong wants to go in the younger, faster more creative way he's created roles for Cairo and Thomas he's signed guys like Krugan and Falk um and if you're going to do that to me then you really need to think about who's going to coach that play style and do it effectively and I don't know if that's the guy we have currently yeah he just he just his personality and the way he is and the player that he was just it's such a weird thing for to hear Craig Berube of all people be like, we got to wait for like that perfect shot. We don't need quality over quantity. And it's like, what man? Like, like, okay. Like you said, like, that's a cool strategy if you have the personnel for it and you really don't. And especially in the series, I mean, I haven't, like I said, I haven't been able to watch a ton of it, but from what I've seen, like if you want goals, we need to start like just playing dirty in front of the net. Right. Like it just needs to be mm-hmm. some sloppy stuff in front to be able to like it. It's always one of those, like, yeah, it's not pretty and it's not your Nathan McKinnon goals or whatever, but you win. You win, you know, you can win that way. And I don't think, um, I know, I know that if you play that way, they don't, like, Kale McCarr, Ryan Graves, I guess, like, um, Sam Dr- these guys aren't going to box you out. Like, these aren't guys that are like, oh, you can't get in front of the net, they're going to punish you there. Like, if anything, it seems like that's how you beat this team is by, like, keeping the puck deep in their zone, right in front of their net, in the blue paint, because if they ever, you know, what are you going to have? Nathan McKinnon cheating? Like, sure, it might turn yeah. into a track meet then, but, like, you you have them outnumbered down low, and it's kind of just like, hey, we're, we're pitting your speed and transition against us, just pounding Grubauer. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think I think that's a strategy where, like, yeah, it could go both ways, but, again, it could go both ways. I think it's, it's a much better 50-50 strategy than whatever they're employing now, which I think is to your point, I really don't know what they're employing right now. I mean, I think I tweeted, it's like, is their strategy just to give it to the Avs? Because that seems to be what it looks like. It's like they're stuck in their own zone for so long, they just have to punt it to the Avs, you know, at half ice or center ice every time. And um, yeah, I think I think Craig Bruby, you know, will always be grateful for the cup run and for him instilling um, what he could with that team and, and being a great motivator. But it's just, like you said, I don't, see a plan with him moving forward I don't feel like there's a strategy and I think the team is very like you said Frankenstein like you look at the teams teams that didn't win the cup but teams from 2012 through like 2016 um, huh. those teams had a identity um, there was a clear-cut identity for those teams and then um, Bacchus and Brower and all those guys left and Hitchcock got fired and everything and we just kind of had this weird whatever that was, 16, 17, 17, 18 teams that really felt a lot like this team where it's like, yeah, you got players there. You know, you had a Paul Staz and you had Kevin Shattenkirk and stuff. We have players. But, like, what's the identity? And that's kind of what it feels like now. Like you said, you have, like, is this team a run-and-gun team? much like the plane flying over my head right now. Um, <laughs> if you can hear that, can you hear that? Um, uh, yeah, very distantly. 
oh okay it's like it's like in my face right now um or is this team like yeah a mucker grinder team because it really can't be both and pick a and i feel like craig is picking neither if you know what i mean like it's like okay just pick one and yeah. we'll run with it and he's kind of like well we're both i'm like no you can't be both. <laughs> you can't you can't do both you can have different strategies with different lines obviously but it's just like as a team every time a different line hits the ice um kind of like you're saying with chemistry too i don't really know what their what the plan is and i don't really yeah. feel like we have a good transition game aside from like you said Cairo and thomas and those guys and that's like I just want I just want to know what the direction is, so at least I can say, well, this player doesn't fit that. Let's let's move on from them. Because at this point, yeah. I'm like, which players do you want to keep, and which ones don't you want to keep? Because I don't sure. like. There's really not any players like right. If you look at this team, are there any players on this team who are like we got to get rid of that guy? I don't really think there are. I mean, I know people will be like Zach Sanford, but like I don't think there's any there player on this I team. I'm like that I would get rid of, but I agree. There's like not a guy that I'm like, Oh, if that guy's here next season, we are effed, you know, like it's not a yeah, like Terra situation <laughs> other than, other than maybe Billy Huso. Like I really yeah. don't think we can come back with him as your backup, but like that, even him is like, at least I see the argument for he's young and cheap and that's why you bring him back, you know, but like, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I mean, that's exactly it, though, because like there's no one on this team where I'm like, dude, you, we can't have you. But there are players on this team where I can say that about them if we pick a direction, you know, if it's like, mm -hmm. yo, we're going to go young and transition. And I'm like, OK, um, then, you know, to a much lesser extent, because my brain's broken right now. But then we don't need Kyle Clifford, you know, or we don't need mm -hmm. some of these other players I'm like we don't need that guy. But it's like, oh, we're going to go big and bruiser. And I'm like, OK. I, I don't really think that's a great strategy, but okay, we don't need Vince Dunn. You know what I mean? Like then it's right. like just build my team that way so I can at least see what they are and if that works because right now, um, yeah, I feel like I'm learning nothing other, other than what's happening now um, is this weird middle ground that I don't think, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think anyone's happy with. I think even your, your positive fans would be like, if you asked them, be like what do you think this team's supposed to be i think you get a lot of pushback from different people on twitter because someone will say well they're you know a big bruising team and people have no not anymore and someone will go well they're fast transition people are like mm, not really i think you get a lot more folks in the blues um fan base and twitterverse that are kind of scratching their heads too right i don't know if they're necessarily as critical but they're just like i don't really know what we're doing yeah, and I, to me, and maybe other people don't feel this way, but, like, not having a direction is my least favorite thing in sports. Oh, yeah, 100%. If, if you're, and that's the type, if that's you're the good, team that's, like... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, that's the, that's the team that finishes, like, right outside the playoffs every year. You know what I mean? Or, like, yeah. barely makes yeah. it in, like, this year. And you just are like, okay, we get bounced and we have no draft picks. You know, no high draft picks. Yep, um, exactly. It's like if you're good, old, then you're good yeah. and you do whatever it takes to win. And that's great. If you're bad and you're rebuilding, then at least I can get excited about the future and really dive mm -hmm. into the draft and, and, you know, all that sort of things and monitor our prospects and that sort of stuff. But if you're just in this weird middle ground where it's like, oh, well, we're clinging to our former glory days. It's like those are gone, man. The league, the NHL changes so freaking fast. And, you know, because no team can stay together for more than two or three years unless you're Tampa and you just commit tax evasion and <laughs> salary cap fraud. But like, um, you know, like it's the, the turnover rate in the league is super high. Um, and yeah, teams like the, uh, the Kings and the uh, Blackhawks won a lot, but uh, they don't anymore. And the Blues don't have a guy. Listen, I love Ryan O'Reilly. I love Ryan O'Reilly. But in terms of, like, skill of your top overall star, Ryan O'Reilly alone would probably rank, I don't know, like 20th in the NHL by team. Like, he's nowhere close to a Connor McDavid or a, you know, Austin Matthews or a Nathan McKinnon or a guy like that. 
or even a Mark Stone, as much as I don't like him, that you can just turn to and be like, okay, you're you're the guy we need on the ice right this minute. Go find a way to score a goal, that sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's not a shot on Ryan O'Reilly because he's incredible and he makes everyone around him better, and that's fine. But that's all the more reason you need to really hone in on what you're doing and you need to really know what the identity of all four lines of your team are and you need to know what situations they work in and what work situations they don't work in because you don't have the option option of just saying okay well Connor will fix it or you know Austin will get us a goal or you know Kale McCarr will find a way to draw a penalty or whatever it is you know like you just don't have that guy you can do it with Ryan O'Reilly and he does it better than you know, Jason Spezza at this point in his career. I don't know why that's the name I chose. Um, but like, but, but you can't, he's not just going to go out there and wow you with skill. And, and if he's the best player on your team and, you know, Kyra is the, probably the best skill guy on our team at this point, but like the whole point is like the construction of the blues by definition makes finding your identity that much more important. And I think it makes it that much more obvious now that they haven't. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to get too much into off season talk, but it just, when I look at the blues and I look at the abs, those are two teams. I don't know that they're heading in different directions, but they're just in different spots right now. And I don't, I don't really see a narrative for why the blues are going to get back into this series magically. Cause it doesn't seem like they have the hunger enough to do it. Um, and that's going to take a lot of hunger to find four out of six games for the avalanche at this point. So yeah. I don't know. I was going to say, you look at this team. Um, that's, what's been kind of interesting when, People look at it and they're like, well, you know, anything can happen. What about 2019? And I was like, yeah, but if you remember 2019's team, even just the playoff portion, then you know what cup-winning hockey looks like. Or you know what even getting past the first round or second round hockey looks like. And this ain't yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, that's to me, that's one of the best parts about the cup run of the winning the cup is, like, you got to firsthand see what it takes and so it's like you can almost watch hockey and like see if it passes the sniff test, right? It'll be like this ain't it. Um, yeah, and you know, obviously things can change like, game to game, but yeah. Perfect example of that. Like last night, did anyone who was watching that game really think when Hoffman scored the third goal that like, oh, this team's back in it now? They're going to find a way to tie it because like I certainly didn't. And I know some people on Twitter were just like doing the "don't give me hope" sort of response, you know. But I didn't mm-hmm. see a lot of people who were like, oh, we're right back in it. It's like, no, because the Avs were going to find a way to shut us down. And when we pulled our goalie, they had too much skill for us to contain them. And Brendan Saad hit a 200-foot shot, and that was the end of it. And, and when I think back to that Winnipeg series, it's like, for one thing, in the last couple of games, even though we didn't score that much, we just utterly dominated them. I mean, it was humiliating to watch. It was kind of like watching game one. Uh, of this series except in reverse (laughs) Um, and you know that's the kind of team and that's the other that's the flip side of this coin it's like okay let's say it's a miracle happens and we manage to take this to seven and win it like does that mean we're going to be any more ready to beat the wild or the golden knights I don't think so you know I I mean I just that's a fun story if you get past that I was like that's amazing but that's like it feels kind of like 2017. You beat the Wild, and you're like, "Wow, that's nuts!" And then the Nashville beats you, and you're like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Yeah, <laughs> you know, it and just feels like, like that. God. No, that's what I was like. Yeah, it just feels like that. It just feels like that season again in a lot of ways, really. Yeah, and that's where I feel like I don't want the Blues to lose. I'd much rather they win the Stanley Cup than anything else. But like, if they're gonna lose, and they're gonna lose in this series. I'd almost prefer it being four and five because I like I want people to recognize that this team who's still going to be in the Avs division next year, still going to be in the Golden Knights division next year, right? They're in our division, aren't they? Uh, conference yeah. or whatever. Conference, so they're not in the yeah. Central. Well, then they're still in we the get, Avs division. We get Arizona who beat up on us this year, so, you know. That's right. More fun. And we'll get – um, the Blackhawks will be back. The Avs are in our division. The Wild will still be in our division. Like, yep. I'm not sure we're going to 
be one of the consensus top four teams in the central next year, if we don't make some major changes. Um, and I would rather us acknowledge that sooner by really having to swallow that bitter pill in this postseason um, than figure it out later. So like as much as I don't want them to lose and would much prefer that they win and go on to great things, uh, I just don't see that happening personally. So what's your fork? You think gentlemen sweep at this point? You think they're going to win game three or four and, and find a way to do it and then still lose? <laughs> <laughs> um barring barring 2019's results uh this team never shows up for an elimination game so i think they i think game three is close and i think they take game three um and you know what i think game four is even close too but then i think if you but they'll they'll probably lose it and then once you get to game five and, and colorado i think it's just going to be a train wreck <laughs> um, there we go. from that's, previous that's the old boys optimism yeah I think, all right there you know go. And back, back yeah. to normal. i'm not honestly even as confident as you are that we find a way to win a game but i wouldn't rule it out um you know come in fired up next game have the the nine thousand home fans um you know for tom stillman's sake i hope they force it to six so he gets that extra day of ticket sales yeah. i don't think it's very likely uh yeah i mean we'll we'll keep talking about it i don't know um when are you getting back in town uh sunday sunday evening i think that's some weird that, crazy think, jet lag time i think that's how that uh, works yeah i know i never i never know how time uh, works when you travel i'm headed east so i I gain a bunch of time, unfortunately. Wow, that sucks. Uh, so, yeah, we'll figure <laughs> out. I may do a, another solo after the Friday one, or we'll figure something out. But, um, I will you definitely know, we'll have... be there for the for the uh, Blues out in whatever game retrospective. There we go. Yeah, exactly. We will have an episode next week somewhere along our normal timeline and, and be back on schedule. But uh, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Um, you know, I would say, I would say as a wrap up, the positive thing about this to me, the more I think about it is just that I feel like we, we don't know what this team is, but we know that there, there is something that's not working. And we kind of know that it's probably just whatever direction or not having a direction. Right. Like to me, it, it was almost more frustrating. Maybe it's because we didn't have the cup yet, but it was more frustrating. And like when we were losing and like, 13 and 14 and 15 because to me I was like what's like what's happening why can't we win like I kind of get it but like also like shouldn't this team be winning I don't get it and now I feel like after having seen what it takes to win a cup and seeing what this team is now I'm I'm more like positively resigned if that makes sense I'm like no I think I get this now I see why we're not winning like I'm not I'm not racking my brain over like I don't get it how could this be like why blues why and now I'm like no this makes sense this makes sense you know the reality we live in <laughs> makes sense so um yeah I mean that's that's as positive as I can get I don't know I think I think blues fans are going to be a little more understandable than maybe previous seasons when this team um gets bounced just because I think I think you you know they don't have it right now, and you know that there's there's the possibility that they can get it back um, more quickly than not, depending on on what direction they head in. So, you know, watch these next couple games, fans, with with some reserved optimism. You never know what can happen. Um, they're still playoff hockey, still a blast. I still enjoy watching it. It's great to have fans, some amount of fans, back in the stadium because, God, I didn't you you know. I don't know if you knew that, but I didn't really realize how big a deal that is until you put fans back in the stadium for playoff hockey. Yeah, like, seriously. wow, that's right. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, you, you just don't know what's going to happen, but I think, I think we, then we can hold our heads high knowing that there's some changes that'll probably be coming eventually. Yep. I agree. And uh, I'm glad you stalled a little bit because that gave me time to go over to Twitter and find out Ian, that game three may feature the Blues and NHL debut of Tyler Tucker, who has been recalled from oh. uh, AHL's Utica Comets. I don't know Folks, what we're sort punchy. of. <laughs> I don't know what sort of quarantine protocols he has to go through, 
Um, so maybe he's not eligible to play a game three, but obviously that's a response to the Falk and Bortuzzo injuries. Uh, Tyler Tucker has a lot of promise. He was a kid that we drafted in the seventh round who uh, ended up just kind of lighting up the OHL, I think with the Barry Colts and maybe the Flint Firebirds he was traded to uh, later in his career, but um, ended up being a, a scoring guy where no one seemed to uh, think that that was going to materialize. So he's a, he's certainly one to watch long-term, but uh, it is obviously an unfortunate and desperate play to see him called up at this point. So uh, yeah, it'd be interesting if he gets in the game to watch uh, his, whew, I can't imagine being exposed to uh, the, playoff avalanche in your first game. <laughs> Tyler, please go guard Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> yeah, please please go shut him down if you would. Um, and with that said, let's shut this podcast down and let Ian go back to Island Life. Folks, thanks for listening. If you have, uh, you know, I will probably do a solo at some point if uh, the situation calls for it. And, uh, you know, we'll talk real soon. Mahalo. It's getting kind of hard to believe things are going to get better. I've been drowning too long to believe that the tide's going to turn. And I've been living too hard to believe things are going to get easier now. I'm still trying to shake off the pain from the lessons I've learned. And if I see Nazim Kadri, I swear to the Lord I will slay him. Ah, 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 he'd take you from me, but I swear I won't let it be so. Ah, 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 blood will run down his face when he is decapitated. Ah, his head on my mantle is how I will let this world know how much I love you. I can.